Good morning, family. What a joy to see you. Boy, that ice skating looks so fun. I would have probably needed the paramedics if we were out there, but I'm going to make the next one. I promise to you if I'm going to do that. Maybe I'll even learn a few moves by the time we get out there. Thank you for your prayers from my queen. Uh, she is recovering uh, well. She's got pneumonia. I think I shared that with you last week. And she's sad she couldn't be here today. That's my favorite amen. So in her absence, I'm asking all of her sisters to say amen in her place, all right? So when we, there you go, good job, all right. So the ladies are going to have Sharon's back. You hear that, Sharon? They got you, okay, all right. Good to see you. RCC, you are an amazing congregation. I don't know if you know that. I've had the opportunity to preach in many states and countries and and serve uh, churches, and very few have your DNA. I was just sharing with one of the elders, what an amazing congregation this is. And I want to just take the time to remind you today how good-looking you are and how on the heart of God that you are. Thank you. Stay the course. Keep encouraging missionaries. Keep loving on those babies. Keep taking them ice skating, amen, and preaching Jesus to them. And keep praying for one another. Remember, the church that prays together stays together. Amen? Now look at somebody on your road. Tell them, did you get that? Did you get that? All right. Very good. We are in Luke chapter 6, and I'm excited because now we are entering into the Beatitudes where Jesus is preaching that faithful message about how the the disciples, the ones he just called apostles, remember we talked about them on last week, what he was calling them to do and be in the earth. So what we're going to do here, if the Lord delays his coming, the next couple of weeks as we walk through this passage, we're going to just take one verse at a time and unpack it. So today we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 6, verse 20. Luke chapter 6, verse 20. And I hope you are ready to study God's word with me. I'm encouraged about this title. Today we're going to be talking about a call to come into the kingdom. A call to come into the kingdom. Now let me set it up for you. Remember last week when we were here, he had been praying all night long. And in the morning time, he called and set apart those 12 men who were going to be apostles, right? He spent all night in prayer. Now, there were more than those 12 men there on that mountainside on that day. So it was filled with people who had heard about the preaching of Jesus. And now that Jesus has called those 12 men out from among the crowd, he's now going to speak to them and to all of the other disciples. So this message has your name on it today. No matter where you are, in the family of God. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for this incredible opportunity that we have to study your word. My prayer today is that you would illuminate the hearts and minds of these, my brothers and sisters. Would you draw us deeper, Lord, into your word? We pray now that you would pull up the unsearchable riches and show them unto us that we may be better kingdom believers when we leave here today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
Luke chapter 6, verse 20. The Bible says, then he lifted up his eyes toward his disciples and said, blessed are you poor for yours is the kingdom of God. Family, when we come to this text today, we come knowing that Jesus had gathered these disciples to begin to teach them about what the kingdom of God was like on earth now that they have elected to follow him as their disciples. And I think that's good news today, that God wants you to know what the kingdom of God is like as you have committed in your heart and in your mind to follow him in every area of your life. There are two things we can discover in this one verse today. So number one, let's talk about the disciples' position with Christ and the disciples' promise with Christ. Once again, these are your two points. The disciples' position with Christ and the disciples' promise with Christ. The text says, blessed are you poor. Here, in this particular portion of the verse, you and I get to see what I call is the position of the believer. Jesus declares that our position as disciples, as followers of Christ, are, is a rather position that is considered blessed. The word blessed in the original language here is the word makarios, and it is the word for happy. Right. So he's saying, happy are you if you are a follower of mine. And then he goes on to say more. Happy are you because of your position. Happy are the poor. Now, that's powerful. It's powerful because the statement is almost paradoxical. See, being poor and being happy in our world doesn't necessarily go together. A friend in my library, Dr. Warren Wiersbe, said this. He said, Angelus, the people who followed Jesus in those days were for the most part all poor people. They lived from hand to mouth. They lived for one day at a time. In fact, they envied the rich and longed to be where the rich folk were. But here in this sermon, Jesus informs them on that day that things are not always what they appear. He reveals to them that things are different in heaven than they are on earth. So he says, blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Here's what he's saying. In heaven, it's the poor people that's blessed. (laughs) That's good news right there. Let me explain. The word blessed here, as I broke down, you know, it means happy. But what he's talking about here, he's not talking about when he's talking about poverty. He's not talking about what you and I know of as North American poverty. No, he's talking about those who have elected or chosen poverty to follow him. Blessed are those who's chosen to go without things on earth because theirs is the kingdom of God. That's good news right there. 
See, it's good news because when I check the record, there are countless of people, RCC, who have chosen to live the way of Christ and have had to sacrifice everything to follow Jesus. Some have foregone higher salaries. Some have foregone earthly riches and comforts. There are those who are suffering right now because of the cause of Christ, and they willingly have done so. Why? That they might have more of Jesus instead of less of him. These are the people who look for their fulfillment in their walk, in their relationship with God. And as a result, they have elected to choose poverty. And Jesus says, happy are those that do that. Now, why in the world would he say that? Here's why I believe. I believe that Christ is getting at the riches and the money and the fame and the power of this world will never bring you happiness. In fact, just ask somebody who got a lot of money how much trouble it could be, how much of a heartache and a pain it could really be. Happy are those who have chosen poverty to follow me. Story is told about a Russian countess who had accepted Jesus Christ as her Savior and her Lord. And when the Tsar found out about this conversion of this woman who was in his court, he decided to punish her by sending her to prison. And after 24 hours of this horrible prison system, by the way, I've been to prisons in Russia, they ain't nothing like prisons in America. That's not where you want to go to jail. This woman was in one of those type of confined spaces, horrible for human existence. And when the czar brings her out of the prison, he says to her, are you now ready to denounce your Christ and come back to the pleasures of the court? True story. And here's what she says. I've known more real joy and real happiness in one day in prison with Jesus than I've known in a lifetime of your courts. Can I tell you something, beloved? Happiness in Christ is not predicated upon what you have, who you know, or how much power you will. Happiness in Christ is surrendering all of your life to him and giving him every area of your life. She elected to choose poverty for righteousness sake. What have you elected to choose today? How much of the comforts of this world have taken control of your mind and your heart that prevents you from surrendering it all to Jesus? An old preacher used to say to me, you know, Wilson, only what you do for Christ is going to last. He would say too, Dr. Dave, I've never seen a U-Haul at the cemetery following behind the hearse. In other words, you're not going to take any of it with you. The riches of this world will never satisfy. Only what we'll do for Christ will last. We looked at the disciples' position. Let me show you now the disciples' promise. He says, blessed are you poor, and here's the promise, for yours is the kingdom of God. Let me say it again. The position was, blessed are the poor. The promise is, for theirs, yours is the kingdom of God. Here we discover that if you are poor in Christ 
or poor in spirit, you have received a promise from Jesus. The promise is that in spite of your poverty, you will be rich in the things of God. Now, he says, yours is the kingdom. The word kingdom here is the word baselia. It's where we get um, our definition, the rule and reign of God. Notice, this is not the kingdom of heaven. This is the kingdom of God. The two are different. The kingdom of heaven is the location. The kingdom of God is God's rule and reign in your heart. He says, blessed are you poor who have chosen to follow him because yours is the kingdom of God. You get all of God in you in place of the stuff that you may be pursuing in the world. The word, rule and reign of God, the baselia, it's that thing that regulates uh, the difference between what the believer thinks about things and what the unbeliever thinks about things. Do you know, uh, I'll use this example, Snoop Dogg does not have the baselia of God. Jay-Z and Beyonce, they don't have the baselia of God. Lil Wayne and all the rappers, they don't possess the baselia of God. But all the one that has Jesus Christ as Lord in their life have the kingdom of God living down on the inside. And there's a difference, beloved. There's a difference. He says, blessed are you. You suffer poverty for me. Secondly, he says, why? Because the rule of reign of God has possession of you. See, having possession of the kingdom of God means that you've been given the kingdom mind. I couldn't wait to get here this week and preach this to you, family, because it encouraged my soul. See, the kingdom mind does not care about the riches of this world. The kingdom mind does not care about the distractions of this world. The kingdom mind does not get carried away with the divisions and disputes of political partisan issues. The kingdom mind submits itself to the comprehensive rule and reign of God for every area of life. The kingdom mind is a mind that wants what God wants and desires what God desires. I was listening, Dr. Cho, to an amazing lecture a friend sent me about a professor who was arguing about a race issue in the university. This is a Christian university. And a friend sent me the email, said, what do you think about this? I watched it, and I sent him a note. I said, I think she has a brilliant mind. I think her argument is precisely right, but I think she missed an opportunity. He said, what do you mean? She missed the opportunity to elevate the kingdom mind. See, the kingdom mind does not get bogged down in what color you are. The kingdom mind does not get bogged down in what side of the geopolitical argument you're on. The kingdom mind understands that we've been made in the imago day of God and we are just traveling through this place and this world is not your home. The kingdom mind understands that white people go to hell and black people go to hell. 
The kingdom mind understands that the mind of Christ cannot be regulated to a racist philosophy or strategy to pull up one and put down another. I couldn't wait to tell him the kingdom mind is what the Christian university ought to be shaping and nurturing and preaching and elevating the biblical worldview versus a secular worldview. The kingdom of God. When you have the kingdom of God, you have the kingdom mind. The kingdom mind is not bogged down with trivial matters of nothingness. The kingdom mind is the blessed mind because it resides in two worlds. It can live in a fallen world and have its position focus on the kingdom agenda. The kingdom mind can live on earth but be seated in the heavens. I'm hunting for an amen right there. The kingdom mind can walk down here, but live somewhere else. The kingdom mind, it can be mistreated. It can be talked about. It can be rejected. It can be ignored by humans on earth, but be totally okay that they're accepted by God in heaven. Let me say it like this. Blessed are you poor. Those that are poor in righteousness have something that treasures can't change. Why? Yours is the kingdom of God. See, when you have the kingdom of God, you have something that money can't buy. Come on, talk to me, college section. Amen. Say amen right through there. When you have, when you have money, when you have the kingdom of God, rather, You have a peace that passes all understanding. Life could be horrible, but you will have a song in your heart when you have the kingdom mind. When you have the kingdom of God, you have a hope that transcends circumstances. When you have the kingdom of God, you have the grace that saves, the grace that keeps, the grace that transforms, and the grace that covers a multitude of sins. When you have the kingdom of God, you have a permanent standing in the right now and the not yet rule of God. Listen, family, because you have the kingdom of God, the kingdom mind, it lives in an unshakable location. (laughs) I'm trying to contain myself. Can I help myself? Listen, poverty can't shake the kingdom mind. It may attack it, but you shall not be moved. Problems can't shake the kingdom mind. They may keep coming, but you will not be moved. Pain can't shake it. You may be uncomfortable. You may have seasons of sickness, but you won't be moved. Predicaments can't shake it. You may be challenged, but you won't be moved. Post-traumatic stress, as real as it is, it can't shake the kingdom mind. You might have to go through it, but your soul, beloved, it won't be moved. I feel like preaching today. Listen, listen, persecution can't shake it. It may hurt you for a little while, but your faith, it won't be moved. The kingdom mind lives in the rule and the reign of God. And nothing that this world brings your way will move you from the unshakable kingdom. Ah. 
Well, what is Wilson, the rule and reign of God? It's that place where God is in charge of whatever comes your way. What is the rule and reign of God? It's that place where trouble don't last always. What is the rule and reign of God? It's that undeniable, undefinable, undeflatable, unquantifiable, unbelievable place of supernatural security where the thoughts of the mind never cease from trusting in the hope of a living God. It doesn't matter what you do to me. My mind, hey, lives in the kingdom of God. And because I live in the kingdom of God, nothing that this world brings my way can shake my position in Christ. Come on, talk to me, somebody. I said, come on, talk to me, somebody. I don't know about you, but this world is not my home. This world does not love my Christ, but I love my Christ. And no matter what I live and how I live in him, the world is never going to be on my side. What's the rule and reign of God? It's that place where the redeemed sinner can rest from the stress and toils of this old world. It's that place where we can lean and depend solely on a Savior who sees all, knows all, is in all, and supersedes all. Can't you see it? This is what Jesus was doing. He was getting the disciples ready to live in a world that was going to be hostile to them. He's called them on the mountainside. He set them apart. And now he's pouring into them, getting them ready to live a life in a fallen world where they were going to need to know who they were, whose they were, and what mindset they needed to have. That's why he's giving this sermon on the mount. The kingdom of God is what you have. He's calling them to forsake the things of this world. Blessed are you who are poor for yours is the kingdom of God. The disciples' position and their promise are wrapped up in this call into the kingdom. See, in Jesus was the kingdom mind. And this mind, the mind of Christ, is what he was giving to the disciples. I'm through, but I want you to know something about this kingdom mind that you have in Christ. You got to guard it. That means you got to watch what you put in your head. You got to hold it. You got to protect it. You got to nurture it. You can't let the philosophies of the world trump the philosophy or the biblical worldview. Know what the world thinks. I think that's good. You should know what they think so you have an answer to give them for the hope that lives in you. But you can't allow the culture's philosophy to trump scripture. You got to believe it. You got to treasure the mind that Christ has given you. You got to pray with this mind, love with this mind, serve with this mind, lead with this mind, give with this mind, and never let it go. I'm convinced the gospel will be the reason why I die. I'm convinced. For Christ, I live. And for Christ, I die. I'm so beloved. Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. There's not another way. He is the way, the only way. 
coming down now. I need to tell you something about me. I love Peanuts cartoons. Charlie Brown is a cool dude to me. There's this one episode, a Christmas episode, where his buddy Linus, you know Linus with the blanket? Charlie Brown is having an issue with the season of Christmas. And for some reason, he just can't get with the season. He can't find the joy. He can't find the happiness. He can't find the love. And Linus, his little buddy, says to him, Charlie Brown, you're the only person I know who can take a wonderful season like Christmas and turn it into a problem. Charlie Brown was allowing the problems of this world to rob him of having the true meaning of Christmas on his mind and the mind of Christmas in his life. And unfortunately, some Christians seem to be the same way, just like Charlie Brown. They can take a wonderful thing like being in the kingdom of God and make it into something horrible. And I don't know about you, but I'll stop by to tell you, if I were you, I wouldn't let my Charlie Brown mind rob me of living in the kingdom mind. Remember, there's nothing more beautiful, beloved, than being in the body of Christ, than being a son or a daughter who's been redeemed having the God of heaven and earth live deep inside of you, hear him talk to you, know he's walking with you. Nothing more beautiful exists in this world than that. How do I know? Remember, it was the kingdom mind who came down into Christ, came through 42 generations, took on flesh to come to save you and to forgive you of all your sins. It was the kingdom mind that came down from glory, became poor, that you might become rich. It was the kingdom mind that bore the debt of humanity by paying for your sins out on the cross. Each nail driven in his body was accepted for your sins against the holy God. Each nail driven in his body, was there for my behavior and your behavior, my attitude and your attitude. The crown of thorns pushed in the scalp was there because he needed to change your mind, your mentality. Take the earthly mentality and give you the kingdom mentality. The insults he received we're there to teach you and I how to model, how to live, how to have the kingdom mind when the oppression and the accusations of this world come to you and I for being Christian. And with you and I on his mind, guess what he did, beloved? He died. He took our place, cried out for our forgiveness. With his mind on you and his mind on the kingdom, he took our place died, was buried, and early Sunday morning, Guzman, he rose from the dead with all power of heaven and earth in his hand. So remember your call today, beloved. When you sit at this text in Luke chapter 6 and you see the Sermon on the Mount, you can see what God was doing and what he was trying to get these disciples to understand is they are now going to commit their lives to following him. So remember your call today, beloved. You've been called 
to come into the kingdom. That means you walk a new walk. You talk a new talk. You're kingdom people. Kingdom people who serve a holy God, who has all power of heaven and earth in his head. If your head goes down, lift it up, because your God is in control. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's God of heaven and earth, and he's a God who loves you, and he's called you into the kingdom. And when you come into the kingdom, there's a kingdom mind that accompanies your call. And all God's people said, let me pray for us. Father, we are so grateful today to read your text and to see exactly what Jesus was teaching the disciples. Thank you for today, for your challenge, for your love, for your mercy, for your grace. Thank you for the kingdom initiative. And thank you for these, your disciples, who are following you in a fallen world. Hear our prayer and our praise. In Jesus' name, amen.